Today's sponsor is Headspace. You slept every night of your life, so you should be pretty good at it by now, right? Unfortunately, many of us don't get the quality sleep that we need and could use a little bit of help, and that's where Headspace has got you covered. It's your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. And while they have meditations devoted to helping you reduce stress and increase your overall sense of well-being, they have an entire library of sleep stories, sleep music, and other sleep sounds that can help you get the quality sleep you desperately need. And for busy lifestyles, they have what's called wind downs. It's meditations and breathing exercises that are as short as three minutes so they can fit into anybody's schedule. I personally use Headspace myself. I've tried out some of the sleep stuff. It actually works. Like to me, it actually makes a difference. So Headspace, it's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews. That's a lot. And over 60 million downloads. Try it today for free and start sleeping soundly. So right now, our listeners get 30% off Headspace's entire library of meditations. Just go to headspace.com slash sleep pod for 30% off your subscription, but only until May 12th. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash sleep pod today. Hey, what's up, Team Flynn? I wanna start this episode by asking you a question. And if you happen to answer yes to this question, I want you to know that you are in the right spot. So this will be a great episode if you say yes to the following question, and that is, has time ever been, or the lack of time, ever been an issue for you when it comes to running your business and or the thought of you starting and running your business? If time has ever been an issue for you, Well, this is an episode that you need to listen to because today we have a very special guest, Jess from Smart Passive Income. That's right, my executive assistant is on the show today who I hired a while back to initially help me out with my email because one day I looked at my email inbox and saw 10,000 unread emails. But Jess, back in episode 115 when I interviewed her before, was just helping me with my email. She has since grown to an executive assistant rock star, has helped several others learn more about executive assistant stuff. Whether you are an entrepreneur who is or is going to have an uh, executive assistant, or maybe you are an executive assistant and you wanna get some sort of insider looks at what it's like working with an executive like myself, well, you're about to get in on that process right here. So stick around. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now, so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, he likes spicy, but then regrets it later, Pat Flynn. Hey, hey, welcome everybody. This is Smart Passive Income session number 409. My name is Pat Flynn and I'm here to help you make more money, save more time and help more people too. And one of those things that can help you save more time than anything is having an executive assistant to help you with all kinds of different things. And I'm just very excited to welcome my executive assistant, Jessica here on the show today. So we're gonna cut right to the interview right now. Hey, Jess, welcome back to the Smart Passive Income Podcast. Welcome. Oh my gosh. Hi. It's so wonderful to be here. It's been so long since everybody's heard from you in episode 115, which was a while back. And I uh, I know this about you. You have yet to listen to that episode. <laughs> That's so true. I can't believe that was back in 2014. I had just started working with you a couple months prior and you were just like, Jess, you're so great. I can't wait. Like, come on the podcast. I was like, are you kidding you're really going to have me do this? Because you don't do that. You don't do that. I didn't do that at the time. 
but now I've gotten a little more comfortable with it. But you are so right. Even six years later, I still haven't listened to it. Can't bring myself to do it. I've skimmed the transcript. So I remember what we talked about. I remember what I was wearing that day. I remember where I was. I remember that I had microphone problems. And Mindy on our team just happened to be at the co-working facility. And I was like, help me. What do I do? And now you're here back on the podcast. So we're going to talk a lot about what has changed. But if you can remember what we chatted about in 115 is sort of a recap for everybody. Maybe we can start there and then just kind of timeline, talk about what has happened since then. So episode 115 and, and kind of starting with why I hired you, I needed help with email. Yeah. And that's what that episode was about. That's really where we started. Pat went from 9,000 unread items in his inbox down to inbox zero as a result of my coming onto the team. And it just, you know, we talked about how to achieve inbox zero, what a big weight off of your shoulders it can really be to get email tamed, whether it's you personally doing the email or whether it's hiring someone else to take care of the email for you. Like regardless of who's taking care of it, as long as it's being done and handled and people are getting their responses, it just frees up so much mental, physical, psychological energy for you to do everything else inside of your business. Can you remind people how bad it was when we first started working together? Oh my gosh. It was, it literally was 9,000 unread items. And I just went oldest to newest. My brain almost melted. Doing that much reading, it was so hard. Like I didn't know how hard reading could be. And just, you know, getting to know the SPI community and the audience and all the different people and what people say. I came in at a pretty good time. You had kind of given up on answering emails right around your birthday. So there were a ton of old like happy birthday, Pat kind of messages. There were a ton of Merry Christmas to you and your family. So lots of really, really nice, happy, wonderful, friendly people that I got to know by way of digging through the old archives in the inbox. And that was such a cool way to kind of get introduced because I was just like, you know, I came from a corporate environment, like nobody emails a staffing agency to say, hey, thanks so much. You know, and people just went out of their way to tell you happy birthday. Thank you so much for how you've changed my life. Merry Christmas. Happy Thanksgiving. So it was really wonderful to come into this huge slew of just happy, positive, wonderful messages from everybody. How might a person, and we'll talk about this throughout this episode, but the experience of, of like hiring a VA, for example, to do that. It was great that you had access to all that, all those emails to get a feel for my audience. How might somebody who hires a VA tomorrow help that person understand who is in the audience if they don't have that? What would be the best way for a VA to understand, like, who is it that we're really serving here? A really great way to do that is the executive, the person who's doing the hiring, really needs to make themselves available. Like it's a big investment of your time, your effort, your energy at the get-go when you hire that person, whether it's a virtual assistant, executive assistant, whatever kind of person it is that's coming in to help you run your business more effectively and efficiently, you as the executive really have to make an investment of your time to be available to answer questions and that kind of thing. But then also, you know, just giving your assistant access to any books or programs that you may have produced, but also any books, programs, tools, software that your assistant might need. Like I remember my last corporate job, I had to beg, beg and beg and beg for years to get Adobe, like to be able to create PDFs and, you know, just do real basic office functions. It was too expensive. And so instead of, you know, getting the Adobe program where they could have invested a couple hundred bucks, I had to spend, because this was years ago, you know, this is over 10 years ago that I would have been at that job. And 
the amount of time that I spent creating PDFs and other things that Adobe can do in a roundabout way because they didn't want to spend the $200 was just maddening. So give your time, your resources, whatever they need, you know, set them up for success because that can only help you. Okay. That's really helpful. We'll dig into that a little bit more, but let's keep going back to when you first started working with me. What were the big psychological things that we could recap that you helped me sort of get over to really help me get to inbox zero and start to feel comfortable again? Really, a lot of it was just you felt comfortable giving control over to me. I had originally started asking for delegate access, you know, like, oh, hey, I don't really need to be in your inbox. That's fine. But it's kind of a, you know, it's it's not full control and it's harder. It's more complicated to have delegated access than it is to have full access. And that's a big, you know, leap of faith. It's showing a lot of trust in the other person to say, hey, here's my password to all my, you know, email calendar, all that good stuff. Like just dive right in. So just even on your part saying, I trust you to take this over. You know, I trust that you're going to do good work with this, that you're not going to do anything damaging to me, my reputation, my audience, you know, whoever that might be. Like that's a big leap of trust. And then on top of that, we really got you over the psychological barrier of treating email like text messages. So that was something like you used to be, oh my gosh, an email just came in, ding, ding, ding. You know, your phone is bothering you all day long and you're just like, oh, well, this person only sent me a thank you note. So I can respond to that later. But this person has a question. I really need to get back to them, but I also need to record this podcast episode and I also need to prepare some slides for a talk and I also need to do my book outline, but I really need to get back to that email. So just freeing you up from all of the demands that people had on your time. I thought that was really great. And setting you on a schedule for when to check your email. Like I said, I haven't listened to the episode, but you did say in the transcript that you, at the time we recorded it back in 2014, you were checking email three to seven times a day. Now, when you started, you were checking 35 times a day. It was like 30 or 35 times a day. Yeah, you were like living in your inbox. So we've really got you out of that mode and into checking it on a schedule. Now that we're several years out, how often would you say that you check your email now? Not even once a day. Awesome. Thank you. That's fantastic. No, I love to hear that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell everybody how we got here. (laughs) How we got here is, you know, just really telling Pat from the get-go, I'm like, okay, who needs an immediate response from you? Who are those people? You can name those people on one hand. You know, your wife, your family. Yeah, Yeah, like your mom and dad. Those people have a direct line of access to you. They know where you live. They know your phone number. They know how to get a hold of you. You know, April can just, hey, Pat, you know, from the other room. She has a more direct line of access to you. But people who are emailing you something, even if it's, you know, super urgent, I firmly believe that all of that can wait 24 to 72 business hours. You know, somebody emails you Friday afternoon, you don't really owe them a response until Tuesday or Wednesday. And you kind of get a sense of when it actually is a real emergency. And you let me know when those come up and they're few and far between. They're few and far between, but it's also, it's a lot of practice. It's an ever evolving thing. You know, our, as I was reviewing the transcript from the last interview that we did, I was just like, wow, it doesn't feel like anything has changed, but a lot has changed, you know, because we don't we're, we don't say, oh, well, this is how we did it when we first started working together. So this is how we're always going to do it. At the end of our weekly calls, I say any other comments, questions, thoughts, concerns, like anything, the door is open, you know, the table is here, like, what do you have? 
what's working, what's not, what can we fix, what can we adjust, what, you know, it's not even necessarily that things are broken, but maybe there are bottlenecks, maybe there are just places that things are feeling stuck or, you know, and both of us feel comfortable to come to the table and say, could we tweak this? Could we fix this? Like this seems to have been working, but it's been six months. Is it really as efficient as it could be? Is there a different tool or software or something that we could be using? You know, we're constantly evaluating and improving. I think another fun thing to talk about would be how we still get those urgent emails addressed now. And I've shared this in person with a number of people and perhaps even a couple of times in podcast episodes here and there. But I just wanted to chat about our email answering process now, especially for those ones that on the surface seem like they would need to be a little bit more urgent than just the ones that can wait or there's general answers already available for those. So what's our cadence for how do we get those things addressed and like how do we do that? So the way that it works right now is still pretty similar to how we did it when we first started working together. I work oldest to newest. So whatever came in, because people always used to try and come in, oh, I'm going to email him Sunday night or first thing Monday morning, and he's going to see that and respond to that first. That's not how we do it. We go oldest to newest because, you know, first in, first out. And that way, you know, first come, first serve, however you want to phrase that. And so going from oldest to newest, we definitely there's... um. There's a lot of nuance here. So there's, you know, every organization is going to have different things that are the, you know, burning fire emergencies. Like, you know, if we had a very urgent, oh my gosh, we just launched our new website on Monday and nobody can search for anything. That needs to be escalated. But if somebody says, hey, I'm looking for a resource on how to start a podcast, that can wait, you know, as we kind of bubble those really urgent right. burning fire things And we have canned answers for a lot of those yeah. Common questions too. Yeah, we have canned responses for a lot of that. And those are things that we maintain and refine, you know, as you might release new resources or as you might update the archives, that kind of thing. We make sure that links are still current. We make sure that we're giving the best, most current information. Like I think your how to start a podcast tutorial, you update that annually, right? Yeah. 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 So we just make sure that all the best information, if we ever have a question, you know, we just bring it to Pat's attention and say, hey, you know, are we still doing this right? Mm -hmm. And go from there. And then we do one thing once a week on Monday where we really get to go and actually get my voice still into those emails, but you're still handling those emails. Yeah. So every week, Pat and I have a 30 minute one on one. And I just maintain the tool that I use is Google Sheets. I have tried so many things over the years. I've tried, I couldn't even tell you, and I don't want to badmouth anything that anybody might really use and love. But I've had so many tools and services over the years just not save or, you know, the app crashes. And then this beautifully constructed list that I had just disappears. So Google Sheets has treated me very, very well over the years. And it's just a simple two-column spreadsheet. The first column, I always copy and paste the person's email address because I find that that's the easiest way to search for, you know, the piece of communication. And then I just write what I call an executive summary. So it's just a one to two sentence. Here's the gist of the email because sometimes people might, you know, email us in a novel. And how do you distill that without Pat needing to sit down and read and digest the whole thing? I can read and digest it for him and say, here is this email from whoever this person might be. Here's what they want. How do I respond? So that's the third column is, you know, who's it from? What do they want? What's my follow-up? And this is a actual phone call. So we're not even in person. Jess just calls me 9 a.m. on Mondays. I expect this. I know this is coming and I know it's important and it's a nice way to start the week because we can kind of get those list items out of the way. 
and it's just boom, boom, boom. I mean, how many would you say we get through within a half hour? I mean, it depends on the topic because yeah. we discuss some of these things a little sometimes in depth, but we get through a lot. We get through a lot. It really depends on the week. So like some weeks, like this morning when we talked, you know, my list was very short and we were done inside 15 minutes. But sometimes if my list is long, I'm like, hey, no time for small talk. Like we got to get through this. I've got 50 items on my list. And even during those 50 items, you know, we might get through all of them in 30 minutes. That's, you know, ambitious, but sometimes we do. But even while we're talking, you know, I kind of refine my list Sunday night or Monday morning before we talk. And then I say, okay, here's the stuff that really has to get answered. So I'm even prioritizing as we talk. Or sometimes, you know, the answer that you give to question five might also answer question 15. So if I get down my list and I say, oh, well, what you said earlier, never mind. Or that one can wait until tomorrow. We're running low on time. So, you know, I would say on average 30 to 40 items when the list is long. But thankfully, lately, the list has been a little bit shorter. And that actually is kind of great because it gives us time to, you know, like we're preparing for FlinkCon 2 and we can really go into, you know, well, what do you think about this topic? Well, here's what we're working on this month for the event. Gives us a little room to chat about that stuff, too. This is as opposed to me going into an urgent folder in email and having to then read every single one from scratch without knowing any context and then figuring out an answer, typing them out, which would take longer. So Jess does a lot of the, the hard work for me up front to filter which emails do I need to see. And then instead of me still going in there and actually answering them by typing it out, Jess and I, we discuss it. I give her an answer. Then what do you do after I give you an answer, for example? After you give me an answer, I never answer an email pretending to be Pat. I never say, oh, yeah, hey, Pat here, because a couple of things. You and I have very different written voices. You know, I learned how to type on a typewriter, so I still double space, you know, even though that's probably, you know, a crime to a lot of people. But so we have very different written voices, punctuation, written style, that kind of thing. So one, I never pretend to be Pat. Two, what if I say something? And even though that is what you might say, you know, someone might come back and say, oh, well, you said xyz thing and you think to yourself well no i didn't right you know right. so i don't ever want to be putting words in your mouth even though i think i might know what those words are so i just say hey joe jess here on pat's behalf i spoke with him this morning here is the answer to your question and then i'll just you know verbatim whatever you dictated say that this is it or if it seems appropriate for me to kind of retype it in my you know here's what we discussed here's the answer but yeah I do the heavy lifting then from that end, but you've made the decision, you know, you've been involved in the email and making sure that it is handled in the way that you want, but then, yeah. And I love that. We get so much done that way. And I know that, for example, if people email you with a question that, you know, I need to kind of learn about myself, you go, correct me if I'm wrong, you go, hey, Joe, I'm going to have a chat with Pat on Monday. We'll get back to you soon after that. And do you ever get a response going like, no, I need Pat to answer no, quicker? No, I mean, a lot of it is just expectation management. So if you just let an email go untended at all, that's when people are like, hello, is anybody there? You know, are you getting this? And that's when you get escalated. I emailed you on Monday. It's now Tuesday. I can't believe you haven't gotten back to right. me. If you just get back to him with a quick, hey, just here on Pat's behalf, I will speak with him next week and get back to you. If you say we've received your email, here is when you can expect a response from us. But then you have to, you know, the third part about that is you actually have to keep your word. And you say, I'm going to get back to you next week. You have to get back to them next week. But by and large, we're so fortunate. Everybody who listens to the podcast, reads the blog, has ever attended one of your talks over the years. We have the best fans. 
and people are the best. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) I'm just going to tell you right now, like if you've ever been to an event where I've been there, I tell everybody who comes, I'm just like, if it wasn't for the SPI community, I mean, Pat is awesome too, but if it wasn't for the SPI community, (laughs) I wouldn't still be here. Like everybody is so nice. Everybody is, you know, and especially when I say, Hey, you know, we'll get back to you in a week. All anybody says is, Oh my gosh, thank you so much for letting me know. And even if I'm, you know, like, let's say I get sick on Monday and I don't get back to them right when I say I would. Hey, Jess, I know you said you'd get back to me on Monday. It's Tuesday now. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, yes, I'm so sorry. No, it's great. Thanks so much. You know, everybody is so understanding, so wonderful and just thoughtful and considerate and incredible with their replies. So thank you. Yeah. If you're listening to this, Team Flynn, you're amazing. Team Flynn for the win, for sure. (laughs) As a result of showing up in the email and going to some of the events and, and whatnot, the, the San Diego Entrepreneurs Meetup here, people have been getting to know you now, which is really neat. So no longer are you just behind the scenes and, and tapping your fingers on the keyboard. Like you're showing up, you're having conversations, people are, are getting to know you and you've been able to befriend a lot of the SPI community as well. What's it been like to sort of have that be a result of working under the SPI brand and, and what we've done together? It's really amazing. I can't stress that enough. You know, coming from a corporate background, I was lucky if I, you know, might talk to some of my coworkers like once a week. And it was always very cold. I don't know if that sounds harsh, but like, you know, you just kind of have, I mean, you've worked in an office before. Yeah. Like surface it's a, level, it's very sur- professional. Surface level. That's what we're looking for here. Like very surface level, very professional, very, oh, what'd you do this weekend? Oh, you know. How's the cats? How's whatever? You know, and it just doesn't really go any deeper than that. You know, I have made some of the most amazing friendships just from, like you said, the local SD entrepreneurs group. Whenever we travel and speak, conference organizers, the different AV teams that we interface with when you speak, you know, just I have the the workshop students, all the people that come here to San Diego for our workshops. That's actually why I moved to San Diego. We did our first workshop. Yes. (laughs) If you didn't know, Jess lives in San Diego now. She moved here to work with me and I'm just so thankful and blessed and I feel so grateful that you're here and I'm sure you're loving the weather too. Oh my gosh, this is incredible. I mean, you know, I'm originally from Minneapolis, Minnesota and we were just there a few months ago for Thanksgiving and the first day we were there, we got a foot of snow and over the five days we were there, snow, rain, ice, sleet, like all of it. And the instant I got home, I was just like, wow, 65 and cloudy. It's it's like hot here. It's <laughs> hot in San Diego. This is fantastic. Yes. Yeah, so we love it here in San Diego. But truly, after that first Power Podcasting Live workshop that we ran in 2017, after that workshop, I called my husband from the aisle, the detergent aisle at Target. I don't even know why I was in the detergent aisle. I was staying at an Airbnb. I did not need laundry detergent. But I'm at Target. And I called him and I was just like, so we're moving to San Diego. And he's like, okay. <laughs> like he'd literally never he's been awesome. here. <laughs> Sight unseen. My husband, Bob, was just like, yep, all right, cool. <laughs> but yes, the SPI community, Team Flynn, you're the reason that I'm still here. You're the reason that I'm even more here, like more present in San Diego. And Pat, you're a really awesome bonus to that. So. Thank you. <laughs> and it's why you're here in the studio right now recording this podcast for everybody, not just to give an update, but we're going to talk a lot more about tips so that you and your VA can have a great relationship. You're, you're in your executive assistant and you're doing a lot more than email now. Can you run a list of all the kind of responsibilities and things that you're sort of dealing with now or participating in? Yeah. Back when Pat and I started working together in 2014, 
he and I were just talking about this. The only thing that he sold was the let go digital book on Amazon. That was it. That was the only thing. And truth be told, we gave more copies away of that than we sold. Like, you know, you would go on interviews and say, hey, if you want a copy of my book, just send me an email and we'll send it over to you. So I remember doing a lot of that when I first started. And then it just really ramped up from there. You know, it was let go the digital book. And then what happened first? Was Will It Fly first before the courses? Uh, Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you wrote your best-selling book, Will It Fly. I was in Arizona visiting my grandparents when that book hit the, is it New York Times or Wall Street Journal? Wall Street Journal, yeah. The Wall Street Journal bestseller list. I was visiting my grandparents while that happened. And then we just started developing courses and building a huge, you know, cohort of students who take all of our courses on podcasting, affiliate marketing, and smart from scratch, you know, building your idea into your own business. So I've been very involved in building the student community and supporting the student community for the last few years. You wrote Superfans very recently, and then your speaking has just every year your demand, you know, just skyrockets. Like people see you, they're like, "Oh, we saw you at Social Media Marketing World. We got to have you on our stage." So, a lot of support for your speaking and travel in addition to books and courses. The arrangements for travel, for sure. But you've been even coming to some of these events as well to support, especially the bigger ones where I have a lot of things going on and I need sort of a right-hand person to help manage my time and just keep me going through the crowds because sometimes it gets kind of crazy. We've also gotten to become really good friends and learn a lot about each other and how each other works. And it's developed into this amazing relationship. I'd love for us to speak a little bit about some of the just things that we're open with each other about so that we can work better together, um, so that we can help each other out. Uh, There are some things that on the surface might seem kind of weird in terms of just needs that we have for each other to to help each other out. And and this is largely based off of events past and, and how, you know, I know for you specifically, if you don't mind talking about it, your previous position before working for me was very tough. And there was a lot of things that, you know, worried you about, well, how might we work together and is it going to be the same? Can you talk a little bit about that and what we've decided to do coming out of that? And and it might, again, seem like really small, but to you, it's really big. Yeah, I actually, you know, the last role, like you said, it was really tough. The person that I was supporting from my perspective really treated me like, you know, a whipping post, like a scapegoat, like, oh, my assistant botched that. Oh, my assistant messed this up, like definitely thrown under the bus all the time and kind of treated really poorly. And I was just like, all right, if these people can make $50 million a year, I can figure out how to make 50,000. I can do a salary, quit my job somehow. I mean, just a chance encounter got hooked up with Pat and we've been working together ever since. And I remember probably six months to a year in, like you had really started traveling more and you would always ask me and you weren't like rude or, you know, demanding or anything, but you're just like, Hey, you know, you promised you'd make me this itinerary for my travel. You know, you said that's something that you can do and it would be really helpful. I would love to see all my stuff in one place. And I would always kind of drag my feet, you know, like I was always giving them to him like super last minute and like really, really worried about what is Pat going to think about this? Is he going to get mad at me? Because, you know, again, my old position, if there was even one tiny typo, I would get berated for weeks, you know, just like I wouldn't hear the end of it if there was one thing even slightly wrong. So it kind of translated into working with you. You know, I was like really scared, like, what is he going to think about 
this itinerary that is that I'm going to give him? Like, is he going to think it's okay? Is he going to think it's horrible? What if I make a mistake? Oh my gosh. I seriously beat myself up for like months before I even brought it up to you. And then one day I just kind of steeled myself and I was like, okay, just take the bull by the horns. Like just tell Pat what you're thinking. He's a pretty reasonable guy. I don't think he's going to scream at you. I don't think he's going to yell at you. I don't think he's going to fire you. Like that would be so silly. Like, why would you think that? And so I did. I just kind of sat you down one day during one of our check-ins that we had talked about. And I said, okay, I have something to talk to you about. And I, what was your thought? Then? I was just like, oh my God, like, are you leaving? Please don't leave me. <laughs> no. So I'm like super serious. I'm like, okay, we have to talk, you know? And that's like never a good thing when somebody gives you that blanket, right. we have to talk. Or it's like, you know, what did I do? Like I'm going through our previous interactions to go, did I say something or did I miss something that I, you know, all that kind of stuff. But you were just very open and honest with me. Yeah. And from my perspective, I thought my voice was shaking. I thought I was like talking super loud. I thought I was asking for too much. And I just said to him, you know, in a previous position, I used to really get thrown under the bus, really treated poorly if I made even the tiniest mistake. And truly, these travel itineraries were kind of like the worst of it because that executive traveled a lot and would just, you know, scrutinize them down to the detail and just really got upset if there was any kind of mistake. So Pat, for me, if you could, this is going to sound silly, but when I give you an itinerary, if you could just tell me, hey, Jess, these itineraries are so helpful. Oh my gosh, April loves these itineraries. I can print a copy and leave it at home and April knows exactly what I'm up to, where I'm at if she needs to get a hold of me. I print a copy and keep it in my backpack when I travel so I can just quickly reference stuff. I love the way that you put everything into my calendar so that I can just, you know, one click to find all my information for my flight. Like, I really needed that verbal affirmation. Like, I needed Pat telling me, hey, you're doing a great job here. Like, words of affirmation is not really my love language for most things in my life. But for this one specific thing, I was just like, okay, this gives me so much anxiety you're not the same person as my last executive, but it has, you know, translated, it's transferred to this new role that I'm playing with you and your organization. So this is how I think I could fix it. This is what would fix it for me. Like if you told me how great they are, how helpful they are, even if you don't mean it, I don't care. Just tell me and that will hopefully help me kind of feel more confident about that one area for such a small thing. Yeah. And it's, it's been really helpful. <laughs> Good. And they continue to be helpful, by the way. Good. <laughs> so keep doing them. April and I both love them. Thank you for that. What's the big lesson here for anybody working with an assistant when it comes to this kind of openness? Like, what's the big takeaway? The big takeaway is both the assistant has to feel comfortable coming to the executive with what they see or feel as a problem. Even if it's one-sided, like I thought it was a problem, you didn't think it was a problem, I don't think. No, but I I listened right. and I acknowledged and I want to support you. Yeah. Right. And so what did that do for the rest of the things, knowing that, you know, I was there and I, I heard you and, you know, I was going to do that for you? Really what it did is just kind of reinforce that you are what I thought, a great guy. You're reasonable. You're, you know, you've got a cool head on your shoulders. You're not going to flip out about really small stuff and just made me feel more confident in everything that I did. Like any time that I had a problem, no matter how big or how small, hey, can we talk about this thing? And don't I don't I don't even cloak it anymore and like, hey, we need to talk. I'm just like, hey, here's this thing. Let's talk about it. So Pat's done a really great job of 
creating a welcoming, supportive, safe environment. Yeah, that's a good word. Yeah, and just like a really great space to say no topic is too big or too small. No topic is too hard or too soft. Like, just come talk to me about it. And, you know, there's been a lot of professional stuff, but even personal stuff when I'm like, oh, hey, you know, I got sick. And you're like, can I send you chicken soup? I'm like, oh, my God, like, where does where does this safe space end? It doesn't. So like Pat's just, yeah, you've done a really great job from my perspective as your assistant of creating that space for us to talk about anything and everything. So would you imagine that a person having just hired somebody to express that expectation up front that everything's cool, like you're welcome to tell me anything, is that a smart thing to do up front? Or is that is this something that just kind of happens over time through your leadership type and just your care for the other person? I think it's a mix of both. Like you definitely need to set that expectation, you know, that you as the executive, you say, hey, this is a safe space for you to talk to me about things, but maybe even you have to set the example of, you know, hey, Jess, here's a thing that I need to talk to you about, you know, so kind of lead by example in that realm and say, here's something that I'm struggling with. Could you help me? You know, because there, I, I think there is a little bit of a line, maybe like you don't need to air all your personal sure, of course. laundry, you know, of but course. like airing on the professional side and then the personal side kind of comes with time. But definitely from a professional standpoint, you know, set the tone, set the expectation, because it's one thing to hear somebody say something like that, but it's another thing to see someone do something like that. What other tips might you recommend for a person who is new to working with somebody under them or is about to hire somebody? What are just, let's list off a whole bunch of recommendations that you have for the executive to make sure this relationship's going to grow and turn into something Absolutely. Helpful. Yeah. So when you are hiring someone, hire somebody that you like, hire somebody that you feel like you can trust. There's a lot of that that comes with time. You're going to talk to them a lot. You're going to talk to them a lot. You will, (laughs) you know, because Pat, I think you had had maybe a couple of VAs over the years. Yeah. VAs in the Philippines, you know, and they were amazing. They did all the work that they were supposed to do, but very little communication outside of just the tasks itself and not really any care for stuff outside of that work which is why I wanted to hire somebody in the US who is more, this is who we're serving. If we could come up with ideas together, that'd be amazing. Like let's, we're in this together. Yeah, I've worked with people before. Yeah, yeah. But like this is the first true like executive assistant, like more involved, um, more intuitive, you Mm -hmm. know, go above and not even above and beyond, but like go deeper into things. So again, you're looking for somebody that you like, somebody that you feel you can trust Because truly, like every person that I've ever worked with, I can tell from the time if I shake their hand. Like, obviously, you and I didn't shake hands until a couple years later. We had a video meeting. I think Kai, I remember that. I think you had just moved into your home. Kai was a baby, like a teeny tiny baby. She was so small. And I was just like, who's this Pat guy? But we had a really great phone call and just went from there. And you start small and you build that. Yes. So you start small, like don't give somebody the keys to the castle, like, you know, give them the code to the garage and then like lock the door. And we started with email. Yes. In 115, you can listen to that episode. And then we've just, as, as you've heard, grown from there, travel with support for events. And, and, and now it's even as big as, you know, you taking a major role in the experience that people and our guests have at FlynnCon. 
And that's so amazing. And a part of that is just me knowing where you want to go and how do you want to grow and always being open and conscious about that. And that's my other big tip. Something that really drove me out of corporate was the expectation that as an executive assistant, you personally do all of the loose ends. Like there was a big expectation that I should be able to and absolutely should take on bookkeeping, accounting, that kind of stuff. I am not good at that kind of stuff at all. I can find you and hire you and manage a bookkeeper and accountant, that kind of thing, but I can't do that work for you. So really just respecting your assistant's boundaries, skills, you know, lean into their skills. Like don't try to force a square peg into a round hole. Yeah. And then tips for perhaps the assistant that's listening to this that you might have to help them not just serve their executive, but also remain happy and thrive and and do good work. Yeah. For the executive assistant, virtual assistant, anybody in an assistant type role, receptionist, administrative assistant, whatever your title might fall to, take care of you. That's probably the biggest thing that I've learned over the last five, six years is taking care of me enables me to take better care of you. What do you mean by taking care of yourself? Taking care of yourself means eat better, exercise more. I gave up wearing high heels years ago. Like I only wear flats because I'm walking, you know, at a conference, I might walk 10 miles inside of a convention center. I'm not doing that in high heels. Every day of FlingCon, I took an Epsom salt bath every night, even though I was only averaging like six hours of sleep. One of those hours was like, okay, go back to the hotel room, take a bath, relax, like take care of your body, take care of your body and your person before you can take care of somebody else. So that's the biggest thing that I would really offer to any assistant is make sure that you're being taken care of. Don't be afraid when you're interviewing, ask questions you know, research the person that you're going to be working with, the company you're going to be working at. That was always something when I was like interviewing, you know, you get to that awkward, do you have any questions? And I'm like, no, I guess, you know, when do I start? What's my salary? No, like have some really good, thoughtful, you know, kind of don't be afraid to show your personality a little bit when you're meeting with that person for the first time, you know, show that you did a little bit of research and that you're interested in whatever the topic is that the person is involved in and have good boundaries, you know, that was something when you and I started, I'm just like, hey, you know, I'm available like 9 a.m. to like 6 p.m. But after that, because I was a contractor, I was just like, if you bug me, you know, it's like midnight central, I'm going to charge you double. <laughs> like, I'm not even joking. But it was really great to kind of set those expectations and boundaries from the get go, because Pat very, very rarely would bother me for something. And I don't think it even was like, oh, no, I can't afford to bother her. It was just like, no, Jess is you know, she's at home, it's family time, she's on vacation, like that kind of thing, like just really set and respect those boundaries from the get go, because it's way too easy. You know, a personal assistant, executive assistant, it's a it's a role that blurs the lines between professional and personal needs sometimes. And if you set those expectations up front, it's easier for both you and your executive to respect and maintain them. How would you recommend uh, an assistant who is feeling a little worried about how the executive may be feeling about the work that they do. Maybe they are unsure of whether or not they're doing a good job and they haven't gotten any good feedback and just they're starting to feel a little bit of anxiety. How might you recommend an assistant sort of figure that out or approach the the person they're working for? Definitely take stock of the person that you're working with. You know, 
how do they like to be approached? When do they like to be approached? And then speak their language. You know, that's something that most assistants are really great at is being adaptable to different communication styles. So if your executive really likes, you know, a latte first thing in the morning, pick a time and you say, hey, Pat, you and I need, you know, I'm going to make you this latte and then we're going to sit down and chat. Or if the person is very no nonsense, no BS, you can just sit them down and say, hey, I'm having questions about this. You know, can we talk about it? So really it's a What I'm looking for here is you need to know yourself fairly well, but you also need to know your executive so that you can kind of meet in the middle. How might you recommend if an an assistant actually does mess up in some way, which is no assistance is perfect, but let's say you mess up on something. What's the best way to handle that? I love that question. The best way to handle that is own up to the fact that you messed up. You know, just say, hey, I will be the first person. I want to tell you before you find out that I messed up. Or if, you know, the executive does find out first, just say, yep, that was me. Yep, I messed that up. How can we be better going forward? You know, what can we do? Here's where I think the communication breakdown was. Here's where I think, you know, something slipped through the cracks. Maybe Is that the I executive forgot. saying that or the assistant saying that? The executive assistant. Like the executive assistant needs to own whatever the mistake was. And then kind of say, you know, okay, you missed your connecting flight. What happened? You know, and it's not even to throw anybody under the bus. It's not to point fingers or, you know, put blame on someone's shoulders. It's how can we be better? How can we do this differently next time so that it doesn't happen again? Right. And that's the big thing. I think a lot of people are just wanting to make sure is that the mistakes don't continue to happen. Mm -hmm. But Hopefully, most level-headed people will understand that nobody's perfect, and as long as the person sort of owns up to their mistake, we can improve and make things better for the next time. Man, it's been great catching up, Jess. It's been a lot of fun, and I hope this has been fun for you listening to see just how much Jess has grown in the company, uh, well-deserved, obviously, and how much more she's going to be showing up in the future for all of you. You've likely gotten to know her via email. You've gotten to know her now here on the podcast. And hopefully, if you haven't yet done so, you'll be able to meet her in person, maybe at FlynnCon or some other event in the future. And uh, any final words of advice for those listening? Really just know as an executive assistant, you are doing such a great job. Like you move mountains every single day and you're doing amazing work that enables your executive to do what they do best. Yes, And I think- Executive assistants are largely underappreciated. Like whatever your love language might be, I'm sure that all of you love hearing that you're doing a great job. Let me be the first person today to tell you, you are doing such a great job. Like every single day that you show up to work, every single day that your executive is out doing what they do, you are such a big part of making that happen. And it's so important and you're wonderful. And I just love you all. And if you have an assistant and they're not listening to this, but you know that they are doing great work for you, now would be a good time to just let them know and recognize that if you haven't done so already. Thanks, Jess. Appreciate you being here. All right. I hope you enjoyed listening to Jess here on the podcast and to consider just where she was in episode 115 and still having not listened to that episode, I think. Jess, I know maybe you're going to listen to this, but uh, you're a rock star. Thank you so much for what you do for me. 
And I know a lot of people have come up to you to say the same thing, but hopefully this is a helpful episode for you, the entrepreneur, or you, the executive assistant who is helping an entrepreneur. And uh, I just know this is just as, so insightful. So Jess, you're awesome. Thank you so much. If you've gotten value from the show, let me know on Instagram or Twitter at Pat Flynn. I wanna hear what you think. And then finally, you can check out the show notes and links to things that we mentioned at smartpassiveincome.com slash session 409. Once again, smartpassiveincome.com slash session 409. Uh, on behalf of myself and Jess, just thank you so much for listening in, being a part of Team Flynn, for subscribing to the show. And as always, Team Flynn for the win. Peace. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com. So podcasting is obviously a big deal here at SPI and today, I'm so excited to tell you about our newest podcast. Yes, a brand new podcast called Flops. Flops is all about exploring, celebrating, and normalizing failure in the entrepreneurial journey. Every entrepreneur experiences failure at some point, so I love that we're just facing it head on here. And the show is hosted by two members of the team, Karen and Ray, and in it, they talk to entrepreneurs who have had stumbles, setbacks, and flat-out failures. These guests are honest and generous with their stories, and I think they offer hope and encouragement for all other entrepreneurs out there because we all experience it, right? We all experience failure. For example, in the first episode, Ray talks to John who got caught up in a Ponzi scheme. It's a story with twists and turns that will keep you hooked. It's a great story. I highly recommend you check it out. But one thing I love about Flops is that it doesn't dwell on the failure and it always finds a bright side. I really love it and I think you will too. So the first season of Flops has already started with new episodes dropping on Wednesdays. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen at smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. I hope you enjoy it.